Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, this is Season 5, Episode 38 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC 15-year-old cherry cask. All of the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. And just because of popular demand, the O-Dog, Jeff O'Neill, has returned for... Uh, another episode of the Rain Dregs podcast. Um, well, it's true. You, you know, the segment we did on Tuesday was overwhelmingly huge, Jeff. And uh, people are wondering if Ray Ferraro is even coming back for episode 39 what, next week. What do you think the chances are that you've got another week in you? Darren, let's be... Let's be honest with each other. And I know you don't want me to come back. And I'm I'm like Marshawn Lynch. I'm only doing this because I don't. I'm only doing this because Ray's away. And your listeners can have him back. And you're never going to have me on this podcast again. And I will say I'm a little disappointed with you, Gregs. Because you look like you're in a hotel room. And whenever I see Craig Button or Mike Johnson, they set it up so there's like a light, a chair, and they almost make this little meeting room type vibe. And you just said, no. I'm going to put this thing on the desk. It's going to look back at the bed. And that's all I'm committed to doing for this. That's exactly what it is. In fact, I've taken the, the lampshade off of the desk lamp. And the <laughs> laptop computer is sitting on top of the lampshade. So that's the extent of my level of preparation. But, you know, Zuby, uh, our tech producer, he, 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 he said it was fine. So for this episode of Ray and Dregs from Thunder Bay, dog, I think we're going to have to live with it. All right, we got a ton of stuff going on, including the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens making a fairly significant trade. So we're going to get to that in our Tim Hortons headlines. Tim Hortons is proud to be partnering with Special Olympics Canada for a fifth year to raise funds for athletes through the sale of Special Olympics donuts available at Tim's restaurants across Canada now through to February 4th. Each year, 100% of the proceeds from each Special Olympics donut sold are donated to Special Olympics Canada to help athletes with intellectual and developmental disabilities access more opportunities to reach their full potential in sport and in life. So pick pick up a donut and uh, support Special Olympics at your Tim Hortons restaurants. All right, Uh, Winnipeg Jets. Montreal Canadiens uh, making a trade. Sean Monahan, the veteran center, going to the Winnipeg Jets for a first-round draft pick and a conditional third. So the first is in 2024 this summer. The conditional third is in 2027, so a little bit down the road. How much better do you think, Jeff, this trade sending Monahan to Winnipeg makes the Jets? Well, whenever you can add skill like that and a veteran presence drags. And if you look down the middle with Shifley, a healthy Monaghan and Adam Lowry, what I like about that is you're obviously adding a, a really good guy. I'm a big fan of Sean Monaghan. I like what he brings to the table. And for each center iceman, they're bringing a little bit something different to the table. Two left-handed shots, one right-handed shots. I'm not sure where Nemestikov moves to in the lineup, but they can piece that together. And I just love the idea for certain matchups, Craig Button always talks about keeping an imbalance in a matchup in a playoff series. So they've got the they've got the veteran savvy in Monahan and Shifley, the big centerman and Lowry. And it's just, I also love the message this sends the locker room dregs. It's not like yeah. you know, Chevy saying this isn't gonna be all about Vancouver. We're making a move too, and we believe in you guys. And I love it. Maybe they're not done yet. 
I think it's going to be yeah. a probably a con, maybe a contest between these two teams who out and, who goes out and gets Tanev. But from the from the outset, and by the way, Dregs, Trade Center, let's mm. maybe move it up. Let's maybe move it up to a week after the All Star Game. Because Jimmy <laughs> Rutherford sets the tone, and he wasn't screwing around. We had him on overdrive last week, and I thought yeah. he was joking when he said we might do something. And I don't know if this Monahan is a response to this. Chevy saying we got to get our business done early, but from the outset, I like it for the Winnipeg Jets and for the Montreal Canadiens. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of young guys in that locker room that looked up to Sean Monahan, and they liked having him around. So that's the disappointing angle to this too, where you realize it's like another year's yeah. going by. And we're not doing it. And when is that going to happen? And I'm pretty sure in that market, the pressure sooner or later is going to ratchet up and saying, you guys better be buyers sooner or later and make this thing happen because this has been going on. You know, it's going on a little bit now. So they got to make a move in the next couple of years. All right. Well, we'll talk about the Maple Leafs. You know, again, considered to be a contender. Some believe they're a top contender. We'll talk about the Leafs in just a second. But you did mention Jimmy Rutherford on Overdrive and how – Look, I mean, the history of the file on Jimmy is he gets his business done soon. But I can tell you from my Montreal sources that as soon as Lindholm went to Vancouver, Kent Hughes' phone lit up in Vancouver because, you know, Monaghan would have been the next center available on the ladder. And then you look at Adam Henrik with the Anaheim Ducks, and I'm sure Pat Verbeek is getting a lot of action now. Danny Breer in Philadelphia with a buzz around Scott Lawton, who's a specific type of centerman. But when you look now at the West, and the Canadian teams here, is there a significant power shift in your opinion based on the ad of Lindholm in Vancouver and now Monaghan to Winnipeg? Absolutely. You look at the records, you look at both of the goaltenders on those teams that yeah. made these acquisition drags. I, I consider them both with their record plus the goaltenders, and I'm not even giving their star power up front any credit right now, but when you've got that, the coaching and the goaltending and the players – both of those teams have a legitimate shot to to go on a deep run. One of them is going to be yeah. disappointed, and these always don't work out. But if you look at teams that are saying, we like our group right now and we're going to add to them, you go out west, man. Winnipeg Jets adding Sean Monaghan. And the Vancouver Canucks, I love the Lindholm acquisition drinks yeah. because it sends the message to the team and it's a great mental thing to just have it in your brain. Come playoff time, we have expectations. This isn't a wait-and-see type situation where it's, we hope we can win around. The expectation is for a deep run. And I love that message it sends inside the locker room for the guys mentally. And I thought Lindholm, I thought for sure Lindholm with the Boston Bruins passed and the right-handed shot centerman, how they've been so, you know, apparent there in that lineup the last 10 or 15 years. I thought Elias Lindholm was going to be a Boston Bruin. That was just my kind of mm. gut feeling. And for the Vancouver Canucks to say, and go out and get him, it's a great message. And I love the acquisition. And what, a, what an energized player. Because his year started in, in Calgary with contract talks and some interviews that kind of got awkward. And now he should be re-energized. It's just a great coach, a great team, a great goaltender. And all I got to do is go out there and play. Well, look, and and so 
I, I'm not saying that Shevel Dayoff was a knee-jerk ad in bringing Monahan from Montreal to Winnipeg because, as we established on Insider Trading on TSN, we knew that Winnipeg was looking for a number two center, which Monahan is, is certainly capable of fulfilling that. Maybe they'll add a little bit of depth on defense. It's not like these managers and these pro scouts and everyone involved in management is sitting back until a few weeks outside of the trade deadline and pieces start moving and they're like, hmm, well, maybe I better engage. No, they, they all have a strategy and, and a plan as to how they think they can get better. But the pressure in certain markets, particularly in Canada, can get hotter, right? So how, how hot is it now for Brad Trilovic and the Toronto Maple Leafs when you look at the Canadian improvements in Winnipeg and in Vancouver? You know, do you feel like that should matter? Or is it just plain and simple, the Maple Leafs are going to have to add some pieces to earn the label of being a top contending team? Well, Dregs, you know better than anybody, if you're a general manager and you look what's going on and you're reactionary to what's going on out there and you just do something to do something, you might not be in the smartest headspace. So I don't think that was the that would be the best game plan moving forward. But We've talked about this before, whether it be with you on Overdrive or with Ray on this podcast. It's like what it comes down to is what Tree's vision of his own team is. Where are they at? Is the is the prices for some of these pieces worth it with this group that they have? Because it's kind of the unknown. I know you said that, you know, some people consider them a contender. Some people consider them an elite contender. It's just what are we? Uh, what are they with that decor? their kind of lack of consistency up front and only a few guys contributing offensively. And the big question is, will the add, and I always said, I don't know if you could get a reflection of this Toronto Maple Leafs team mm -hmm. until you add two defensemen, not one, two real quality defensemen to kind of balance out the back end. That's what I would do, whether Tree wants to part with the assets that, that make it right to do those kind of deals, but I would say I can never get a true sense of this group until I add at least 2D. What are they going to do with that? I'm not sure, but that's how I would look at the situation. I agree, but again, given the pressures that every organization that's been building feels, would you add on the back end, since we've identified that's their, their pressing need, at the expense of your future? And that includes first-round picks. Just to wrap up the Winnipeg trade here, so I told you it's a first in 2024 and a third in 2027, a conditional third. The condition is if Winnipeg wins the Stanley Cup. So Winnipeg probably had to sweeten that deal with that conditional third because there were other teams that were interested, obviously, in Sean Monahan. So if you're Trilliving, are you coveting that first round pick or are you now throwing that first round pick at Craig Conroy in the Calgary Flames, say, for Chris Tana, for somebody of that ilk? Man, I'll tell you what, it seems like <laughs> it's hard. Drags, it's hard for me to fathom this stuff because back in the day, the first round draft picks, they were going like you would give up a first round draft pick. This was always the deal. It was a first round pick and a younger prospect. Yeah. And, and, and there was always something else for like a superstar player that was traded. So it's hard yeah. for me to get intact with the times and say, like Chris Tanev's a warrior. And he yeah. seems like he blocks a zillion shots a day. And to, you saw it happen with the Leafs when a first-round pick went out the door with a warrior, uh, Nick Foligno. And it's, he came, he got injured, he didn't play a whole bunch. Yeah. And it's like, man, that's what we got out of that. 
So that's where it's so tempting to say we got to bring in this character guy who plays so well. But I mean, you could never do a transaction and look at the negatives and what ifs. But I don't know. It's all about pressure points. And if Tree feels they got to pull the trigger on something because yeah. of because of whatever pressures or just a need, then I would do it. And at least sends yeah. a message to the group. We got to shore up this decor and see what you can do with that. But do you admire or at least appreciate any manager who takes stock of what his team has and realizes, okay, there, you know, I, I just, I don't have enough in the cupboard to plug all the holes here. So I'm not going to blow out my first. I'm not going to trade Fraser Minton or Easton Cowan. Nicky Robertson's getting a little bit more opportunity. So he's playing better. Do you appreciate a manager who just holds tight? Or do you think, look, if somebody wants a first and you can vastly improve your blue line, it betters your chances of legitimately winning a Stanley Cup this season. Don't worry about next year. Think about what you need to do to win this year. Dregs, in this market, I definitely have an appreciation for a manager that's patient because year after year, we've seen assets go yeah. out the door and either not win a playoff round or you win one. And I think you can look at it and say, like, if, if, if someone did a board and put up a board of the assets that have gone out and the payback for that, it hasn't really been worth it. So I obviously have a ton of respect for the GM, whether it be right or wrong, to look at his team and say, they're just not ready for this type of transaction. I have a ton of respect for that. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I mean, this is the full disclaimer on the Ray and Dregs podcast. I mean, ch things are changing almost hour by hour now. And, well, you know, we're still a distance away from the March 8th trade deadline. But if you're listening to this and it's in the, in the weekend and something else has happened, we haven't talked about it. That's just what we have to deal with when we're recording episodes of Ray and Dregs. Okay. Um, we're going into the All-Star Weekend skills competition tonight as we uh, record Hero on, on Friday. Take me back to last night. I'm in Thunder Bay, went to my daughter's uh, play. She's in a theater production here in Thunder Bay. It was fantastic, by the way. Uh, going again tonight. So I watched the aftermath of the player draft. Um, and I mean, I thought it was somewhat interesting. But what's very apparent is it's teammates picking teammates, right? Matthews picks Marner, uh, Nylander, Morgan Riley. I mean, go down the list. There's not a whole lot of creativity when they're going through the draft and selecting these teams, is there? I thought it was pretty predictable, Dregs. It was like, <laughs> you know, like as soon as I saw that, I'm like, are Riley and Matthews actually going to go through a draft and not pick their own guys? I think not. <laughs> and the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is probably already rigged. There was emails, there was conversations about who's going to get what. For but sure. at the end of the day, I stopped being frustrated with this whole process because I've realized, Dregs, that watching this with Bieber and whatever other celebrities they have out there, it's all about the kids. And I don't have a ton of time for it, but it's about the kids. Yeah. And if that's what they think the yeah. kids want, I've, I've continued to think about because I loved the All-Star game when I was growing up. I loved the idea of Mario versus Wayne Gretzky. And I actually thought when I was a kid, an NHL player winning a car – was a big deal. But if one of these guys <laughs> wins a car, it's not a big deal. They're never going to drive it. So right. I don't know what they can do to revamp this if they want to get like an adult audience to be somewhat interested again. I don't even know if it's possible. But they want to bring out Bieber, and this is what these guys want to do. I mean, it's probably a ton of fun. But 
I don't know. I, I just don't know about the whole process. I thought about it. I'm like, that is so predictable. All the Leaf guys on one team, Sid with Nathan McKinnon, and it goes on and on. But if that's what the kids want to see, then that's what they're going to get. All right. Well, we have to go back to the National Hockey League again. Did I not just put out the disclaimer of stuff happening like literally second by don't second? Don't even tell me another trade just happened. No, no. Uh, but the LA Kings have fired Todd McClellan. Uh, and named Jim Hiller as the interim head coach for the remainder of this season. And look, we talked about this on Tuesday, right? You get to a place, and you mentioned as a player, where you can feel it. And you know in a cap world that it's so hard to to do anything to your roster until you're at where we're at, and that's near the trade deadline. Um, almost feels like a mercy pull at this point, doesn't it, though? Yeah, when you have a team that's got the expectations – and the way they started, Dregs, I mean, yeah. they started out like a house on fire. And we talked about this the last episode. I can't even believe I'm saying that the last episode. But talking to hockey <laughs> people, they were like, that L.A. team is going to be a real handful, a real handful. And they started out incredibly. And then they just went on a slide that's just a slide that where you look at the situation with the L.A. Kings, you can tell that there's something to matter. Whether it be yeah. systems, whether it be the coach or somebody doesn't like somebody. And in this day and age, you saw the coach bump that happened in Edmonton. And it's unrealistic to think that you can get the same thing. But you'll go down in flames trying, Dregs. And that's what you're looking yeah. at here. You've got a team with a bunch of really good players. And at the end of the day, when this happens, you look at quality players not meeting expectations. And that's what Hillier's got to deal with. Because he's got to get guys playing to their expectations and their capabilities. But I'll tell you one last thing. You show yeah. me poor goaltending, you sh I'll show you a coach that's going to be on the hot seat, man. Because you can't win games with that goaltending. They got Cam no. Talbot, Dave Riddick, who's ever going in there for the LA Kings. You're not going to win on a consistent basis with that goaltending. Yeah. And you're going you're gonna to have a coach that's on the hot seat every time. Well, and look, I can tell you that the general manager, uh, Rob Blake, feels awful about this because he knows it's not a coaching issue. He knows this based on everything that, that you've established here, but man, like that's Lou a Amarillo crazy thing, Dregs, when you know it's yeah. not a coaching issue, but you still got to fire your coach because it's just not working. You're right. And I mean, look, Lou Lamarillo did it with Lane Lambert and, and brings in a yeah, somewhat controversial figure in, in Patrick. Wah. If you don't have the stones to make a decision like that, you shouldn't be a manager in the national hockey league. It's not about friends. It's about results, and there's only so long before you do have to step in. You know, I mean, if 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 Rob Blake could will his goaltending or Pierre Luc Dubois or all of the elements of the of the Los Angeles Kings to be better, he would have done that a hundred times by now. So, all kinds of news today in headlines. Um, I feel like right, I'm on wrap. insider trading. I know it's kind of cool, isn't it? Oh, and, and yeah, it's I rapid like it. fire, bud. Like you don't like you don't it. even know like what's it. coming. It's like I this like is it, why bud. you're. You're so good on overdrive. You guys just pepper stuff out there, right? It's not like you have three-hour prep meetings for overdrive three hours a day, right? You no, there's zero-minute prep meetings. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think Hazy B does some work. He, he grinds it out to get ready. Okay, put a bow on the All-Star. Uh, again, I didn't see it last night. I just saw some of the follow-up to it. Um, I think we all can can remember the Phil Kessel picked last 
had him kind of sitting there and stewing. And then you had Ovechkin, who was kind of celebrating, wanted to be picked last because it was all part of the entertainment value for Ovi and, and whatnot. Um, why do you think the Players Association of National Hockey League opted instead to give the final four draft picks uh, an envelope which detailed, okay, you're playing on this team, you're playing on that team, that team, that team, as opposed to allowing these teams to identify the last pick overall, just just avoid an embarrassing moment? I think so, Dregs, and it would be embarrassing. I'm all about sometimes in life you got to have your feelings hurt a little bit because sometimes it can toughen you up. Those days are long gone, but I will say this. If I was an NHL player, you got a lot of pride. Everyone's got an ego. You like being a part of the NHL. What yeah. happened to Phil Kessel? I thought that was ridiculous. And I thought it was embarrassing, quite frankly. And I wouldn't want it happening to me. And he kind of laughed it off. And he think he got the car or whatever. He did. And I, yeah. I think it might have been in Ottawa. I'm not sure where it was. But I would not want that happening to me. So some people, some old school people might look at this and say, oh, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. When you get selected to be an all-star game, and I look at myself for an example, I only played in one. If I went down to Florida with all my buddies and all my family and my parents and all their friends, and they had to sit and watch that, I don't think they would be very happy. So they no. got it right by the last four guys. What did you say? They got an envelope and they got told where their team was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Whoever came up with that, I give them props because that's the right way to do it. Because who the hell wants to get nominated? No. And you've, I've seen some videos of the guys being told by their coaches, Dregs, that they're being all-stars. It's a pretty exciting time. And who wants sure. to have it ruined by an experience like that? So it's a good way to do it. How hard are you trying if you're in that group of a dozen in the skills competition with one schmill on the plate? One million dollars. The thing is, the guys that are doing it have so much friggin' money in their bank accounts that I don't <laughs> know if it would move the needle. But I'll tell yeah, you what, true. a million bucks is a million bucks, man. Like, Darn right. Like, I had to do some of that stuff, and I was, like, out late, and there was no money involved, and there was no <laughs> prize. And I was like, this has got to get over with soon. But for a million bucks, that might get me to bed somewhat early. I guarantee you it's a crazy thing, Dregs. A million dollars on the line, and these guys were probably out at after parties till 3 o'clock in the morning. That's insane. <laughs> I, would yeah, hire Gary, I would have a connecting room and have Gary Roberts in the other room beside me or Matt Nickel to train me in the morning and, like, stretch <laughs> me out and be ready for the skills. That's how much a million bucks would mean. Oh, hey, or or you've got the IV stations in Vegas, right? Where you just go in there and you plug in for 30 minutes or a half hour or whatever. Right. You're good I used to, to like having it. a good time. I used to like having a good time, but a million bucks, I think, would have kept me in until 10, like 10 yeah. o'clock, I would have been home. <laughs> and there's a charitable connection to all of this as well. All right, we're going to wrap up the Tim Hortons headlines with more breaking news. More breaking news. Um Commissioner Gary Bettman and Marty Walsh of the Players Association. I think Luke Tardif from the IIHF is going to be there. They're going to officially announce, because it's really already been announced by the IIHF social media websites and whatnot, that the NHL and the Players Association will return to the 2026 Olympics. The deal just got finalized this morning, though, as we're recording here on Friday. So I believe the whole international calendar is going to be laid out there, including the next two Olympics. You've got the Four Nations coming up in 2025. So 
You know what? I don't normally get too excited by hockey-related events anymore, but from a fan perspective, and I allow myself to be a fan when it comes to international hockey, this one kind of gets the, the heart pumping a little bit because 2026 isn't that far away. We could see Sidney Crosby play with Connor McDavid and Kale McCarr and some of the best players in the world. That's all I hope, Dregs, is the one guy. Because I know I'm going to see McKinnon. I know I'm going to see McDavid. I just hope Sidney Crosby's still got that hop in his step where he gets to be a part of this. Because that was the big talk when McDavid was coming up. I can't wait to see a team that features Sidney Crosby on the first line and Connor McDavid on the second line. Or Connor McDavid on left wing with Sidney Crosby. And we just haven't been able to see it yet. So I'm excited about it, too. It's something different to watch, and the Olympics are obviously a world-class event and unbelievable yeah. to view. But if Sidney Crosby can somehow get on that team, and right now I would say it's pretty sure he would make it, but you never know what happens to a you guy that's know. 35 years old and a couple of years down the road. All right, well, just prepare for this, whether it's Steve Dryden or Mike Lane or somebody at TSN, um, probably around the 7th of February because you've got the London City Police um media availability press conference on Monday, February 5th. There's going to be a couple of days of follow-up. You're going to be required to start assembling Team Canada for 2026, no later than Thursday or Friday of next week. No, I can't. I can't project two or three years down the road, Dregs. I just can't. Right in front of me for this year, I can do it, but I can't project that far. There might be, there's kids in junior that are going to be on that team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll leave that to Craig Button. How's that? We'll just we'll analyze it as it comes. To He's you. the only right, guy that has the qualifications to he do does. it. Those are your Tim Hortons headlines. Thank you. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs are brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have released the Canadian Club Invitation Series. It's the CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask Signature CC Classic 12-year-old Whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. All right, oh, you were so popular. So good Tuesday. In Ask Ray and Dregs Anything, um, we've got another version. Ask O and Dregs Anything. Send us your questions to at Ray and Dregs uh, on our Instagram accounts or on X or on the website, rayanddregs.com. And these ones were just slipped under the door here in Thunder Bay at the hotel. So these are literally fresh off the presses. Uh, Barbara wants to really dig in here, O-Dog. How do you address the officiating? in the NHL this year? Big, bold question mark from Barbara. I hope this is addressed before the playoffs begin. Thank you. And I assume that Barbara's displeased with the standard or level of officiating. You have a huge issue with it? Darren, uh, I will say one thing. and It's the quote that's said about the NHL referees before there's ever a comment. They're the best referees in the world, and it's an awfully difficult job. But sometimes you also got to be honest and assess it by saying that there's some inconsistencies that are going on. Because some Mm -hmm. nights it's big boy hockey and there's got a playoff type vibe to it. And then other times people are falling over sticks and just falling by accident and penalties are being called. So that's the one way. And there's been a couple issues the last couple of weeks that have been ridiculous. But if there's any way I could kind of put a bow on it and wrap it all up, I'll say this year there's been a little bit of inconsistency where some nights you just don't know what you're going to get. Well, and look, the standard that I get, and you sit beside me on the panels, right? So always I'm going to, you know, either the Department of Officials or I'm going to Hockey Operations for an explanation. 
And when it's contentious or we don't agree, normally the response I get after the fact is, okay, but what if this scenario happened in a playoff game? Game seven of a series, game seven of the Stanley Cup final. So I always try and balance that a little bit when I'm being overly critical. I'm not talking about a penalty caller. I'm, I'm mostly talking about coaches. Dregs, I get it. The playoffs so. are different too. Like it's it, it's like a yeah. Tuesday night game. It, there's going to be stuff that's let go in the playoffs to, to some degree where it's like let the guys play, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But there still seems to be refs or refereeing situations where it's like, I'm looking to call penalties, and that's why I'm out there. And I don't think that that should be the case. Yeah. All right, uh, next question. Ask O and Dregs anything from Amy D. Huge fan of the podcast. Amy is curious about players' height and weight measurements listed on NHL.com and other sites. Uh, Amy says, I've read rumors that these are often higher than reality. Is this true? True. Every time in Guelph, where I first had to start, I was basically in Guelph at 5'11", and I had this thing in my head, and I'm pretty sure every kid in junior hockey had it. I mean, this is dating back to the early 90s, where there was this thing where if you weren't six feet tall, it was problematic. It was like the Theo Fleury's of the world. They were a dime yeah, a dozen. Yeah. They, they never made it. Paul Correa, his brother Steve, it's like, those were kind of like anomalies where it just didn't happen. So you yeah. had to crank it up to six feet. So if you got any sniff that you were around 5'11", it was tiptoe time. And you get up there and you get your ass up there to get to six feet because anything less. It, like, And the way to prove this is just go through all the heights. It's like. How oh, many yeah. guys are just six foot on the dot? It's impossible. No one's just yeah. six feet. But I just Did I you don't have... know how I rigged it. I just wanted to be six feet. Yeah. So you told the story on Tuesday about Ferraro making fun of you. Um yes. and you 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 said at the time a very specific weight number. I think you said 176 pounds. Is that what you said? Or That's what I was. That's what I was what, for my first three years of junior, my first two years of pro. Yeah. So if you're measuring and doing all of this stuff, normally that would happen in an NHL training camp, right? As part of your physicals and, and all that, or do they only do it once and then you're six foot and that's the way your career stays? Do they adjust the height and weight a whole lot? I don't year think by they year? do because I went from like 176 and then eight years later, it was a, like dregs. I never gained weight. And then I was at this point in like Carolina, early on in Carolina, where I was 191. And every time the trainer asked me to get on the scale, I'm like, dude, just write down 191. I never change. And then I got to a certain <laughs> age where that just wasn't the case anymore. And I'll tell you <laughs> one thing, there, the difference between 191 and 208, it's a big one. <laughs> Did there's a lot not of say miles to you per that? hour. There's a lot of miles per hour involved with 191 and 208, the difference. So Yeah, yeah. So when you involved, arrived in Toronto, or was it back in Carolina with Mo, where he basically said, Ah, I need you to drop X now. You don't have to say how much he wanted you to lose, but he did he not literally say, okay, you got to drop X number of pounds? Oh, he made me do this thing. I'll never forgive him for this. It was such a garbage move. 
<laughs> All I felt was his hand on my shoulder and he said, you look really big to me. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you just look like big. He goes, here's what we're going to do. I want you to show up Monday morning. And this was like in the middle of July or something. And Maddie yeah. Nickel had this fing um, finger test after a skate. It was this down and back skates that that tested your ability, your actic last your your what is it, lactic acid buildup and all this stuff. Yeah, so I had yeah. to do this skate in the middle of the summer. I hadn't been on skates. And oh, I puked no. my guts out at Lakeshore Lions Arena. And Maddie Nichols <sighs> like, Yeah, it's time to uh get it together here, or this guy's gonna be really pissed. But <laughs> I don't know. In my defense, I had shoulder surgery, so I basically yeah. couldn't do anything. And then Mo came on the scene, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. It was an awful uh, day at Lakeshore Lions Arena, Dregs. I, I didn't mean to bring up bad memories, but Amy wanted to know, and I knew that you'd had some history with this. All right. Uh, last one, then we'll wrap up. Oh, hey, guys, scrolling through Hockey Reference the other day, and I came across Ray's page. They list player nicknames associated with the player. And Ray's nicknames include, well, it says Big Ball of Hate. I think it was Little Ball of Hate. Or was that uh, maybe Pat Verbeek known as a Little Ball of Hate? Anyway, Chicken Parm, of course, Pee Wee, Seagull, and Radio Ray. Radio Ray. So question is, how do these nicknames come to be for you? And do you have a favorite O? I mean, least favorite? Like, did anyone call you O-Dog during your playing days? Yes, but it started out. But by the way, who is the lady that wrote this in, Dregs? Uh, it's actually Austin. Austin wrote. This. Austin, yeah. this is how yeah. this works. Players have no input on whether what other people are going to call them, and if right. they show any disdain for what they're being called, then they're automatically going to be called that again. <laughs> I will say there is some like weird old school like cult activity it's like those nicknames in the hartford whalers like peewee only joel quenville and kevin deneen are allowed to call him peewee if anybody else calls ray ferraro peewee he gets pissed yeah. and he's like don't call me because yeah. i know kevin deneen's nickname back in the day in hartford was guido because he had this big curly hair and he pulled up to a stoplight one time and, and he got into something to another car and the car yelled over hey guido so they started calling him Guido, and I attempted it one time, lying in bed watching TV, and he's like, don't call yeah. me Guido. And I'm like, well, why are these other guys with mustaches allowed to call you Guido? Is it like a Hartford Whaler thing? And it's the same thing with Pee Wee. You can't call Ray Pee Wee unless you played for the Whalers. Uh, 100%. Seagull's another one. I think that comes from Al Arbor, the late, great, legendary coach of the New York Islanders, and the reason being – if Ray wasn't squawking like a seagull, he was crapping like one. So yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah. So anyway. All right, buddy. Well, I really appreciate you pinch hitting for Ray Ferraro. Um, Anytime, Drake. You know that, buddy. I, yeah, I appreciate it. But today, especially Friday, as we wrap up, um, man, we had a lot of stuff going on, right? Like we ticked all the boxes with the big trade between Winnipeg and Montreal. Got news on the All-Star, the firing of Todd McClellan in L.A., the announcement of the international calendar coming back online with the National Hockey League. So all of this was just curveball after curveball, and the O-Dogs stepped up and hit the grand slam. Nice work. 
Yeah, it's been fun, Driggs. You know you got me anytime, bud. I know people are looking forward to having Ray back. Yeah. Maybe when he no, comes no. back the first episode, <laughs> just have me on so I can reintroduce him, okay? Oh, or get him to apologize officially for that little mm, interaction you had back yeah. in the day on the ice in L.A. The fat face imitation. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. All right, big plans for the weekend? No, it's going to be a quiet weekend around here. It's crazy, yeah. Dregs. It's February in Toronto, and I'm going to rake my leaves. I put it off so much that I'm actually going to do it in February. <laughs> That's outstanding. Yes. Good for you. All right. Well, enjoy that. And uh, the, the you know what? The most impressive thing is you're not one of those guys that gets people to do it, right? You, you want a little exercise. You're working out now. You're watching what you do. So why not put the rake in your hand and do a little bit of manual labor? Can't and drags, it's the one thing I can't stand it. I look out at the leaves and my neighbor's tree is another thing I'm not going to get into. But I hate it. I don't mind cutting the grass, but the raking and the picking up of the leaves, it's one of those things where I procrastinate, but I'm finally going to get to it tomorrow. All right. Thanks, O. And thanks to our sponsors who continue to make Rain Regs possible. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey and Tim Hortons. And thanks for you for listening, for rating, and for sharing. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.